Welcome to the Watchman Channel. This channel is all about world news and Bible prophecy, pointing to the soon return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am asking that if you can, to please help to financially support this ministry. If you feel led to pledge any amount of money, it would be extremely helpful and greatly appreciated. There is a PayPal link in the description box and in my pinned comment below. You can also donate using Cash App. My cash tag is dollar sign watchman 1963 thank you all so much for your prayers and support god bless congressman bachman dean bachman you're the first one kind of bring this to our attention what exactly is going on in geneva at the world health organization and how do we get so far down the road of it looks like signing something that's going to expand the sovereignty, the ability of the World Health Organization in Geneva, controlled by the Chinese Communist Party, to affect the sovereignty of the United States of America? That's right. It's hard to believe, Steve, but in less than two weeks' time, a vote will take place in Geneva, Switzerland, at the World Health Assembly. They're important because they're the governing body of the World Health Organization, WHO. This authority that they would be given would impact not 99.4% of all the people in the world. There are 193 nations belonging to the UN. The Biden administration is bringing amendments that would propose that all nations of the earth cede their sovereignty over national health care decisions to the WHO, the World Health Organization. So what this would mean, Steve, is that the WHO would have decision-making authority to intervene into the United States government policy in any nation of the world without our permission. So for instance, the lockdowns where you see 26 million people today locked down in Shanghai, China, they can't leave their apartments or homes. The WHO would have the authority to be able to impose that here in the United States for whatever pretext they want. They don't have to show data, they could do this. What this does, Steve, bottom line, is it creates a platform for global governance, global governance through the WHO, global governance through the WHO. We can plainly see the stage is being set for the Antichrist to take his place on the world stage. The Antichrist will control a one world government as we read in Revelation 13, 7. It was granted to him, the Antichrist, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation, which is the world. People are saying the world is out of control and looking for someone, anyone, to rescue the planet. Soon, very soon, a leader will appear on the horizon that appears to have all the answers, to calm the oceans, to bring peace to all the nations. His title will be the Antichrist, and he will be welcomed by millions of those on earth not taken with the rapture. Unfortunately, his true identity will be known soon to those left behind that his true intentions are death, destruction, and control. It seems like a good time for Satan to present the lawless one to the world. 2 Thessalonians 2, 7-12 For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, 
with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The New World Order is a group of elitist people bent on ruling the world through a single worldwide system of government. The appeal of this New World Order lies in its proposal to free the world of wars and political strife, and its promise to eradicate poverty, disease, and hunger. Its purpose is to meet the needs and hopes of all mankind through worldwide peace. This New World Order will supposedly do away with the need for diverse world governments. This will be accomplished by the installation of a one-world political system. The New World Order will emphasize tolerance through the promotion and acceptance of other cultures and their values and ideologies. Its ultimate goal is a sense of unity and oneness with all people. Other objectives include the use of a single worldwide currency as well as oneness in politics, religion, and moral values. The New World Order will promise worldwide peace, the absence of war, and the elimination of all political unrest. The problem with the acceptance and approval of any New World Order is that no government has ever offered, nor will it ever offer, real hope and peace for mankind. Those who desire the ushering in of a New World Order are in for a rude awakening. Only heaven brings lasting peace and happiness. The Bible makes it very clear that all things associated with his life on earth, with his sufferings, his decay, his discontent, and death, will continue with this physical life as we read in 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Although our physical bodies are growing older and we notice that our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day after day. The new life we received at salvation is being transformed into the image and likeness of Christ as we mature in the faith, grow in grace, and gain a more intimate knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The one hope for all believers lies only in heaven, as we read in John 14, 1-4. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. It is the hope of heaven we need, not the false hope of a new world order, as the world is not our home, as we read in Philippians 3.20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. In the last days, the prophet Zechariah tells us Israel will be the focal point of world conflict and he gives a dire warning to the nations who would dare come against Jerusalem. Zechariah 12, 2 and 3 Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples, when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, 
though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. This prophecy is unfolding right before our very eyes. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said the U.S. is deeply troubled by the actions of Israeli police for, quote, intruding into the funeral procession of a Palestinian-American journalist. Today, President Biden called for an investigation into her killing. A day meant to mourn the death of journalist Shireen Abu Akleh turned tense when Israeli police suddenly moved in, swinging their batons. At one point, the pallbearers, trying to reach a church in Jerusalem, nearly dropped the casket. The police say rioters had hurled stones and other objects at them. But the White House is calling these images disturbing. This is a day where we should all be marking, including everyone there, uh, the memory of a remarkable journalist um, who lost uh, her life. We regret the intrusion into what should have been a peaceful procession. Wearing body armor, clearly marked press, the Al Jazeera journalist was shot on Wednesday while covering an Israeli raid in the West Bank town of Jenin. Israel initially suggested she was killed by Palestinian gunmen, but today the military said it can't unequivocally determine the source of the fatal gunshot. Violence has surged here in recent months, with at least 16 Israelis killed by Palestinians since March, and around 30 Palestinians reportedly killed in confrontations with Israeli forces. The funeral of Abu Akleh, who was widely respected in the Arab world, eventually took place today mostly peacefully. Thousands of Palestinians said goodbye to a woman they now see as a martyr. The incident comes against the backdrop of a surge in terror attacks over the last two months, where 19 Israelis have been murdered. Many of the terrorists have come from the area of Janine, prompting numerous raids to arrest them. Also on the same day as the funeral, an Israeli soldier was killed in Janine during an arrest operation on Friday. Tonight, the Palestinian Authority says its preliminary investigation found that Israeli forces deliberately killed Abu Akhle, and she died from a gunshot wound to her head. Palestinian officials are denying Israel's request to examine the bullet. And unfortunately, the Palestinian Authority is refusing to cooperate. Palestinians saying they don't trust Israel's military to carry out a fair investigation of its own troops. The U.S. Embassy saying we are working to bridge cooperation between the parties. Raf Sanchez joins us now from the Damascus Gate in Jerusalem. Raf, you talked in your report about Israeli police pulling down Palestinian flags. Why do they seem so focused on flags? Israel wants to prevent any Palestinian national symbols being raised in Jerusalem. That's because Israel claims sovereignty over the entire city. But the so-called two-state solution, which President Biden supports, imagines that one day East Jerusalem would become the capital of an independent Palestinian state. God gives the most dire warning to the nations who would divide up his land, as we read in Joel 3, 1 and 2, and Zechariah 12, 8 and 9. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. In that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The one who is feeble among them in that day shall be like David, and the house of David shall be like God like the angel of the Lord before them. It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem.
Jesus said, as a sign of his coming and the end of the age, there would be an increase in deception, false Christ who will deceive many, wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilences, earthquakes, Christian persecution, apostasy, false prophets, and lawlessness causing the love of many to grow cold. Jesus said all of these signs would come like birth pains. Jesus was likening last day's events to a woman in labor. As the labor progresses, the pains increase in both frequency and intensity until the baby finally comes. As we get closer to Jesus' return, all the signs he gave us as a sign of his coming and the end of the age will become more frequent and more intense. All of these signs are manifesting around the world in our time. The Iranian nuclear deal remains on hold, apparently over one key sticking point. Still, the pressure is on to sign the agreement. But some Middle East experts say dark clouds forming in the region could lead to a nuclear storm. After months of negotiations, the U.S. and Iran are at a deadlock over removing Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps from the foreign terrorist organization list. The IRGC has American blood on its hands, and mm. there's no good reason for the United States to even consider lifting this FTO designation. Middle East expert Eli Konim says bipartisan support on Capitol Hill is building to keep that designation in place. You're hearing from many both Democrat and Republican members of Congress who have voiced their concern to the Biden administration that there's no good reason to lift that FTO designation. Even if that stipulation remains and the deal is signed, concern is growing that it will pave the way to nuclear proliferation in the Middle East. The Saudis already have agreements with the Pakistanis. They funded the Pakistani nuclear project, and they are ready to procure uh, nuclear weapons the moment this agreement is signed, and they understand that Iran is uh, moving towards nuclear capabilities. So what we will see is proliferation of nuclear capabilities all over the Middle East. Avivi also yeah. told CBN News the agreement would have global implications. This is not talking about threats in the Middle East. This is a whole new globe. It's a whole new world. It's a threat for humanity. And therefore, I cannot understand why the European Union and this current U.S. government is pushing towards enabling this vicious regime who calls America the big Satan and calls Israel the little Satan. Let them have nuclear capabilities. As it stands, the nuclear agreement also promises sanctions relief. That would release nearly $100 billion to the Iranian regime. Avivi and others believe the money would not only fund Iranian partners in the region, like Hezbollah and others, it could reach allies closer to the U.S., like Venezuela, which Avivi calls Iran's Cuba. John 15, 18 through 20. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. We begin with Nigeria, where a woman has been beaten to death and set on fire on college premises. She was a student in this college. Her killers were her own classmates. What was her crime? Blasphemy. Her classmates accused her of insulting the Prophet Muhammad, and so they killed her. The incident took place in Nigeria's northwestern state of Sokoto. The victim has been identified as Deborah Samuel. She was a student of the Shehu Shagari College of Education. The students were upset over her comments, so they hunted her down, dragged her out of her college room 
and attacked her and then set her ablaze. The details are disturbing to say the least. The police have arrested two suspects and have promised to nab all those involved in the attack. The video of the attack has gone viral with the hashtag justice for Deborah. What's more disturbing is that this is not the first such incident in Nigeria. Cases of vigilantism and people being jailed for blasphemy keep happening periodically. In Nigeria, Muslims constitute 53% of the population and Christians 46%. Despite this religious diversity, Nigerians remain vulnerable to sectarian persecution. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecute the prophets who were before you. Remember to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Hebrews 13.3, 1 Corinthians 12.26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. 1 Corinthians 16.13 Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Overnight, I literally went from being active to flatlined. And it was, it was terrifying. For Candace Mathis, the fear was twofold. Her blood pressure dropped, her stomach in painful distress. Worst of all, the mother of three had absolutely no idea why. It was very unnerving and overwhelming. For 15 years, she suffered before one doctor finally found the cause. A single bite from a Lone Star tick giving Candace alpha-gal syndrome. The condition not just painful, but dangerous too, causing a food allergy to red meat and other foods. A summer barbecue with hot dogs and hamburgers could be absolutely life-threatening. And not just if you eat it. You walk into a restaurant, someone's cooking bacon or a steak, that could be enough. Yes, absolutely. I, I've gone anaphylactic within 10 minutes of inhaling the fumes of mammalian meat or dairy cooking. Scientists believe when a Lone Star tick bites an animal, it ingests a sugar called alpha-gal, which is also found in red meat and some dairy products. Ticks can then transfer it to humans. Some can develop severe symptoms. It was the mystery ailment best-selling author John Grisham opened up about when he first experienced symptoms back in 2002. Writing his skin felt like it was on fire with hives. Dr. Scott Common says the number of patients diagnosed with this syndrome has increased in the past couple years. Adding symptoms can often vary. Looks like a, an inflamed, uh, red, itchy welt almost at the site of the tick bite. People will say it's slow to heal. And occasionally they'll even say that if they have a reaction to eating beef or pork or lamb, that the site of the bite is the first place that itches them. If identified and treated correctly, symptoms can still persist for up to three to five years. More than 165 million Americans wear them, and they can be very expensive. $400 a frame or more without the prescription glass. Now smash-and-grab thieves have a new target, eyeglass shops. These brazen robbers hit a store in Alexandria, Virginia in broad daylight. They smash display cases and steal $20,000 worth of eyeglass frames as helpless store employees yell at them to leave. The cops are on the way, man. 
At another eyewear store, thieves calmly check out designer frames, then smash. They make their move. A store employee attempts to lock them inside, but one guy busts through the door while his cohorts scoop up $60,000 worth of high-end designer frames. These smash-and-grab robbers struck another eyeglass shop at night. The trio hit with military precision, quickly filling a trash bag with designer sunglasses and frames. This security consultant says there's a reason why smash-and-grab rings are switching focus from high-end stores to eyeglass shops. Those facilities have begun to harden the target to make it more difficult for these groups of thieves to get away with it. So now they're looking for less secure locations. Case in point, this smash and grab at a burger joint in downtown LA. To make matters worse, the owner was told it would take nearly two weeks to replace the glass front door. So he decided to stay here overnight, every night until then, to protect his business. You said you're not leaving this place unlocked with nobody here. You, you said you're just gonna stay here. Yeah, we stay here overnight. Right now, Pedro Mojaro is stuck with this flimsy wooden plank for a door. So the father of four is arming himself with pepper spray, vowing to stand guard as long as he has to. The Apostle Paul in his epistle to Timothy tells us in the last days society would be in a total immoral meltdown. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. It's the busiest wedding season in 40 years, and brides and grooms are going big. How big? Check out this grand entrance down a cascading staircase. Forget about those weddings we saw back in 2020, like this, where the bride had COVID and the ceremony was performed Rapunzel style, or this bride and groom who filled the church with photos of the guests who couldn't join in person. Well, all that is so 2020. We were invited to Daniela and Marco Rorick's big, and we mean big, reception at Russo's on the Bay in New York. They've waited more than two long years to say I do. No micro-wedding for these guys. I've always had a dream of like a big, beautiful wedding and like it's super like blingy and diamonds and everything. We invited everyone, we, it means something to us and no matter what the number was, that was gonna be the right number. They spared no expense. Check out the flowers and the crystal encrusted place settings. Indoor fireworks, a sushi bar, filet mignon, live entertainment, a Cosmo Martini ice luge, and get a load of this seven-tier wedding cake. Then there's that grand entrance into the ballroom. Their 250 guests loved it. Of course, the venue couldn't be happier about the return of supersized weddings. Uh, big weddings are back. We're back to normal. Thank God. Go big or go home, right? Like, come on. <laughs> big weddings are back. We're back to normal. We're back to normal. You are probably wondering why I showed you guys that video. I felt as though God was impressing it upon my heart that we are now living in a time when society thinks things are getting back to normal. Jesus tells us that during a time of so-called normality, 
that he would return. Matthew 24, 37 through 39. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus tells us in verse 37, when our days parallel the days of Noah, he is returning. Jesus goes on to tell us in verses 38 and 39, that when he returns, things will be going on as normal, as people will be eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. Just as in the days of Noah, when people were caught off guard and the flood came, so also will people of our time be caught off guard when Jesus returns. I believe that time has arrived. Luke 17, 26 through 30. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Just in the days of Noah, when God sent a flood, and in the days of Lot, when God sent fire and brimstone to judge mankind, he is about to send his final judgments on a wicked and unrepentant world. The signs of Jesus' soon return are so strong now, and the evidence is so clear, that any person willing to accept the truth can see that the end of the world as we know it is near. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. These are the ABCs of salvation. A. Admit that you're a sinner. B. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried, and God raised him from the dead. C. Call upon the name of the Lord, and you will be saved. There is nothing more essential to the world than the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, Paul declares what the gospel is and how important it is to embrace it and share it with others. He reminds the Corinthians of the gospel he preached among them, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus promised his followers he was going to go and prepare a place for them in his Father's house, where there are many mansions, as we read in John 14, 1-3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This is the essence of the gospel, the pure gospel of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross for sinners, his resurrection to everlasting life, and his coming back someday is central to our Christian faith. Time is short. Call upon the name of Jesus today. One day, Jesus is coming. You may be at church. You may be at work. 
you may be asleep. God grant that you will be ready when he makes his personal appearance. My God, what if his appearance occurs on a Sunday morning? My prophetic word to you this morning.